You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratories, the second episode of the week. We are continuing our positional breakdowns, discussing how the season went for a position and looking ahead to the future. We do the interior offensive line today and someone who is very fired up about this. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, let's talk big uglies. Very fired up is a strong word, but I I do enjoy some offensive line play. I will say (laughs) watching the Chiefs interior offensive line play does not uh, does not inspire a lot of fire. So we are here to, you know, we're going to recap the season. We're going to tell you about those dull flames that we may have seen throughout the year, but we're going to transition. We're going to throw some insta-light fire logs on that bad boy. We got Craig Stout, the Renaissance man. Find him on Twitter at Barley Hop here. He is here with us. He can start a fire with a little bit of dirt and a green leaf. That's how good he is. So he's going to be here to help us out. How do you start a fire with dirt and a leaf? That's why I don't know, Craig. You tell us. You don't. You tell us. Period. (laughs) So, yeah, that's definitely not a thing that happens. (laughs) We just, we got to lean into the bit. So, what we're going to do is we're going to recap the 2019 season. We're going to talk about the interior offensive line, just kind of ask some questions. And then after the break, we'll look ahead and kind of start talking about the future what we think about this group, uh, what we think they can add and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be fun. So let's start with this. We got to ask, and we'll start with you, Craig. How overall did the interior offensive line do? I mean, frankly, not great. Uh, Andrew Wiley started the year. They had LDT at the other guard spot and Austin Ryder. Those were the three guys that primarily got reps early and they gave up a lot of pressure. And they did not move guys in the run game. They just, frankly, were overall pretty poor at just about everything that they did. And the Chiefs have kind of made it a point to try not to invest in the position as much as possible. And it kind of came back to bite them a little bit this year. Now, obviously, it got better when Stefan Wisniewski got to play in there a little bit. He did have some rough moments early on when he was coming in, but he got a lot better as the year went along. Martinez Rankin actually got some reps in there, looked pretty good and, you know, until he got hurt due to Cam Irving. But I overall <laughs> think that the group was pretty poor. So I I would say a, an overall mostly failing grade for the interior offensive line. Yeah, I think you have to reach pretty hard to come away with a lot of good from this interior offensive line group. I don't even think you could put your hat on the guys that played outside of Martinez Rankin, which he may or may not come up again here in another segment, of guys that are super promising going forward. 
I don't think you can hang your hat on in this elite athletic interior offensive line that excelled getting out in space in the screen game. This actually was one of the first years where I thought that the Chiefs screen game was not near as effective as it's ever been under Andy Reid. And I think a ton of that is simply Eric Fisher not being in there. He's great and then hurts. But more than I just think the interior offensive linemen, they just were not as as athletic as they've been in years past. So you don't even have these super athletes out there anymore like the Chiefs have had in the past. Like there wasn't a lot of good going on. I will say as the year went on, they did do, and this is probably going to Andy Heck, they did a lot better job of picking up interior stunts and some delayed blitzes. They got better at that throughout the year, especially when you compare it to last year. But outside that, like you said, you just don't have a lot of real good to go with this group. And I think you really have to look at that going forward. So I'm with I'm with Craig here. This is a mostly failing grade across the board. I tend to agree. And, you know, you saw Andrew Wiley. He took a step back. The Mackley Hill Award winner last year, he took a, a step back and he wound up not even being active for the last couple of games of the season. We'll see what that really says about his his outlook moving forward. They tried to go with Austin Ryder to re- replace um, to replace Mitch Morse last year, and it was not particularly strong. And sometimes I wonder if the reason that the the entire interior offensive line uh, wasn't as successful is because of of him starting with him as the pivot point in that group. LDT, another year back. I think he missed some games again this season as well. Um, it, it, it's it's just it, it was a bleak outlook, and they threw a lot of guys in there to to try to to solve the problems. Uh, what was the biggest surprise of the interior offensive line, Matt? Mine was Cam Irving not really getting a chance. I know he had to get put out there at offensive tackle, but last year Cam Irving played offensive guard, and while I thought Andrew Wiley was better across from him, they were both roughly about the same, which was serviceable. And I don't think you could make a very good case the Chiefs' in offensive guard play was serviceable this year. Why did Cam Irving not get a kick back inside, especially once Eric Fisher came back? Let him play left guard. Let him play right guard. I don't care. You instantly improve that athleticism that I was talking about that's missing. He's a guy that clearly gets along very well with the team. There's a little bit of continuity between him and Eric Fisher. Like, I feel like just never seeing him get a chance on the interior as rough as the position group as a whole was, that would caught me off guard a little bit. My guy was Martinez Rankin. I geeked out when the Chiefs were able to acquire Martinez Rankin when it happened because they traded Carlos Hyde, who was not going to make this football team. That really disappointed a lot of people here in Kansas City, including the Chiefs organization, very obviously. And they traded Carlos Hyde. That's thousand yard rusher, Carlos Hyde. Sure, whatever. Cool. We got the Chiefs got three years of club control of a very good potential. Well, a very a potentially good interior offensive lineman in Martinez Rankin. He was a top 100 pick about 18 months ago. He's still and, and I think I think he showed some promise before Cam Irving ruined his season. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I am very uh, I, I was very surprised that you know first off they were able to get Martinez Rankin for Carlos Hyde. And I was pretty surprised that he was able to, you know, play pretty well so quickly. My biggest surprise was Andrew Wiley, and it's not for a good reason. He took a step back and got to the point where he was a healthy scratch at the end of the year over Stefan Wisniewski, who they picked up off the street. That doesn't necessarily bode well for Andrew Wiley. That's not saying that the Chiefs are going to move on, that the Chiefs are, you know, done with him or anything like that, but... 
the fact that he couldn't get up there with how terrible the guard play generally was throughout most of the year there, that speaks volumes as to how they view Andrew Wiley. So I'll be keeping an eye on him this offseason to see kind of what they do with him. But that was my biggest surprise is how far back he took a step. All right, let's move on to the biggest disappointment. And, I mean, there's a lot of candidates for this one. I think, for me, I'm probably going to go with Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. I think you were kind of hoping that he would be the stabilizer along the interior of the offensive line. He's the guy that John Dorsey paid a lot of money. He was the highest paid offensive lineman for the Chiefs this year uh, along the interior. And he was not good. He just he's 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 taken steps back. I think all like the last two years, I would say, uh, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy either. And maybe there's a correlation between that. But your best ability is availability, and Laurent Duvernay Tardif hasn't really been available a ton this last you know couple years, and he hasn't played well. This <laughs> the Super Bowl wasn't great for him either. Frankly, it was it was a rough day for him as well. And my guy Austin Ryder. I, I kind of thought that the Chiefs were going to get a little more out of a second year of Austin Ryder. Now, I didn't think it was going to be great, but I did think that they were going to get a little bit more out of him based on what we saw in training camp and some of the work that he put in this offseason. But frankly, he just struggled. He really struggled up front. He struggled with power. He just didn't pick things up particularly well, and he didn't move particularly well. It just – a lot of the hallmarks of an Andy Reid center just weren't there. And I, I think that the Chiefs – we knew that they were going to miss Mitch Morse a little bit, you know, just because he, he was an excellent center. But I didn't feel like it was going to be as significant of a drop-off as it really was. So, Austin Ryder was my biggest disappointment for the year. Well – after Craig successfully used two disappointments over his last two answers, <laughs> I am left with actually nobody left on the interior offensive line to be a disappointment. So I'm going to go with, like I mentioned earlier, I think this is the first year that I thought the Chiefs' screen game wasn't good and the interior offensive line was a big part of it. More than just the screen game, I don't think these guys were particularly well-suited for the Chiefs' scheme in general. And it sounds weird because LBT, Austin Ryder, they've had success, and that's Andrew Wiley. They've had success in the past in the same scheme. Just when you watch, especially the way they're running the ball, these guys just aren't making it to their set points that they need to. They're not getting across defenders' bodies. They're not climbing to the second level on these zone blocking plays. They just don't seem like they can functionally get where they need to. You look at all of Damian Williams or even some of LaShawn McCoy's big runs, they're outside zone. They get stretched all the way outside the tackle box and then make a hard cutback because nobody can make their reach block and get their hips around the defender. These guys just simply were not able to execute what was being asked out of them. And that includes everybody that we've talked about so far. They did not look good in the scheme. The scheme isn't going to change. It's an outside heavy zone rushing scheme with a lot of RPOs. They don't get a chance to just play power football. And I don't think they'd be good at that either. Just they need some better fits or guys that can execute the scheme better going forward, whether that's new players, new coaching, or just they got to figure out something to do to help these guys better because they were bad across the board in that regard. All right, Craig, what are we most optimistic about moving forward along the interior of the offensive line? I feel like I got the easiest one because there's really only one guy. It's Martinez Rankin. Like, that's it. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like 
uh, when he was brought in that they liked him as a swing tackle a little bit and then saw what he could play as guard. And then when they went out and got Jackson Barton, I think that was another thing where they're just kind of cementing that Martinez Rankin is going to play guard for him. He's got the brightest outlook of anybody on this roster in, in the interior there. So I hope he recovers quickly. I hope he gets back on the field for the Chiefs soon because I feel like he can move a little bit. He's got a little bit more anchor than some of these other guys. His feet are pretty good. I just, I would like to see more Martinez Rankin at guard. It was just taken away from us a little too quickly. My, uh, the reason I'm most optimistic, uh, what I'm most optimistic about, about the interior offensive line moving forward is that they just won a freaking Super Bowl with this interior offensive line. And yes, they want to get better and they need to get better and they need to continue to protect Patrick LeVon Mahomes. However, all of the problems that they had along with the interior, piecemealing it together, signing Steven Wisniewski at the end uh, to and starting him and, and benching their Mackley, Will, Mackley Hill award winner and, and all that stuff. Still won a Super Bowl. They're going to be able to figure this out. I, I still have you know reason to believe that they'll be able to have success whether or not they get it fixed too. For me, it's the growth that we saw in the one spot. It's something I already mentioned, but you go back to that kind of loss against the New England Patriots What really, in the playoffs in 2018. What really killed them? The inability to pick up inside stunts, the looping blitzers, delayed blitzers, all that stuff. This year, that was an issue sometimes, but not near as much. There was a very clear emphasis and focus on picking up, passing off these different blitzers, these rushers. The Chiefs like to split like almost every other team, a combo protection. Half the line is doing man blocking. The other half is dropping into gap protection. They're protecting a specific gap. They were able to figure that out as the year went on and going into the playoffs, they were pretty good at picking up the extra blitzers up the middle. You think that kind of emphasis, that focus is going to translate to the next year. That just seeing that growth from something that was such a big weakness into this year lets you have a little even more faith in Andy Heck, get some real talent in there, and then you could see other things start to improve, especially as you don't have to emphasize one specific thing as heavily as they really needed to after the 2018 season. All right, let's talk about the uh, 2020 outlook of this group. What do you what do you see about the, What do you see from this group with the current outlook, Maddie? Bleak, the current guys on the team, it's not great. I don't think that you have a ton of young talent. You have Martinez Rankin. Maybe you hope that Andrew Wiley kicking back across to the right side, if you don't have LDT here anymore, can pick up where he left off. But Austin Ryder didn't do a ton. I know we're all really high on Martinez Rankin and what he could do. But at the end of the day, like he had one really bad game one pretty good game and one game in the middle. Like it's a very small sample size. There was, there's still some weaknesses there in his game. He is not ready to be a great guard right away. Even maybe not a good guard right away. They just, they have a lot of unproven talent on the interior and no anchor, no pivot man, nothing to really hang their hat on. You need to add talent to that group going into 2020. And I think that that's, that's the positive part of the outlook is that they probably are going to add some form of talent to that group because they just can't get by with it again. I think you're going to see LDT gone. Just, you know, two bad years in a row. You can get out from under his contract this year. It just makes sense to move on from him. I think that they're going to add in some guys with a little bit of flexibility. I wouldn't mind seeing them add a center, add another guard, you know, maybe one in free agency, maybe one in the draft. So I think 
that that's the positive outlook is that they were able to piece it together. They saw what they had. They know it's not good enough. So maybe they're going to actually put a concerted effort into fixing it and protecting Patrick Mahomes a little more. The Chiefs already have currently 11 guys along their offensive line under club control for uh, on their 90 man. So they've got 11 right now. Technically they have exclusive rights, free agents, uh, Andrew Wiley and Ryan Hunter, but they've got a lot of guys to, to try to solve this thing. And obviously I think Laurent Duvernay Tardif gets thrown, you know, he gets, he gets moved on from and, and they're going to probably add some talent, but I mean, you, you still got a lot of guys that with the experience that hopefully, you know, a, a Nick Allegretti, a Martinez Rankin, one of those guys can step in and, 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 and surprise people. And, and provide some stability for that group. Cam Irving, maybe Cam Irving gets moved on. There's seven guys on the roster right now that could play along the interior. All right, we are going to look at the free agent market for the interior offensive line and talk about the draft right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, we are profiling the interior offensive line. We are looking at, uh, we, we've kind of talked about the 2019 season. Now it's time to talk about what we see uh, for the future of this team. Let's talk about, you know, free agents, you know, some potential free agents. And then let's talk a little bit about the draft. We'll start with a top tier guy. We'll go with Andrews Pete. Andrews Pete, he was, uh, he was with the, C- the New Orleans Saints for his entire career. Uh, what initially was considered to be a tackle. Uh, people thought he was going to be a tackle. He wound up finding success uh, at guard. He was a guy that, um, you know, he was, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I was trying to read something. But he, I think he actually, has, he's been a pretty, he's had a pretty good career as a guard. I think he's really kind of figured some things out. Uh, he was a little bit aimless early in his career, but found some success at guard He's still young. I think I, that's what I was looking up. That's why I was trying to... That's that's why I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I think he's still 27. So he's still a young guy. He's, oh, he's actually 26. 
So he'll he'll uh, he'll turn 27 in the middle of his career. So he still kind of fits that profile of a a young guy that that the Chiefs typically sign. Yeah, and he's a big big dude. He's 6'7", 315 and he he's not like this freakishly long lanky guy. If you've never watched him play before, he's he's got a very good base. Um, he's he's Todd Pete's son, a, a former guard back you know back in the day there. So he's grown up around it. He's just a very technically sound guy. He's a former first round pick, played tackle. He's just been excellent for the for, or for the for the Saints here for a long long time. I I would be super interested in adding him just because it would. It would give you that linchpin that Matt was talking about, that guy that you can kind of hold your head on, you know, know that that guy's going to do his job and he's going to make the guys around him that much better. It just gives you that extra little piece. And he plays left guard, so you can put him between Eric Fisher and whoever you've got playing center next year and know that you're going to have an anchor and a rock there. He's going to cost a lot of money, though. I, he's going to get well, well paid. The one thing that you're hoping for is that his injury history scares off some teams, maybe helps you get a little bit of discount because he hasn't played a full season in the NFL a single time. He has not started 16 games. He has had pretty significant injuries the last couple of years. Two years ago in the playoffs, he was carted off in an air cast. Last year, he missed over half the season. So he is not the healthiest player out there, but he has the mobility you want. He has the ability to play within the pocket, to anchor down along with a lot of other offensive linemen that have been very successful in the NFL. He had a very good 20-yard shuttle, the short shuttle coming into the NFL. It's a weird test, but guys that do good at that often are the better athletes in the NFL for offensive linemen. So we were talking about earlier, the Chiefs don't really have the most athletic interior group they've had in a while. He helps that. He gives you a guy that can get out in space on these outside zone runs in the screen game. You just got to make sure you keep him healthy, which is the that and the cash are going to be the biggest issues for him. And that's what's going to make his contract interesting. And I still think he's probably a top-tier guy because of the youth, because of the upside. But there's still some questions there. It's going to be fascinating to see how his market kind of shows up. Let's talk about a mid-tier guy. And Uh, we'll go local here. We'll go BJ Finney. Yeah, from uh, Wichita, Kansas. My uh, Right here in my backyard here. (laughs) Um, Went to college at K-State, was a center at K-State, was an All-American there. Uh, was signed as an undrafted free agent for the Steelers. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Uh, he's played in 43 games in the past four years, but he's only started nine of them. So it's not a situation where they have given him a ton of reps at guard, which is where he's primarily played backing up some guys. But last year they gave him a second round tender. You know, so they valued him well enough as a backup there to place that tender on and force teams to have to give up a major asset to go and sign him. I, I think that he, he looks pretty good there. Like Matt said, you know, his ability to move is important. I think he moves really well. I think he's well built. He's a little smaller guy, played center. So he's got a little bit of versatility on the interior there. I think that he could be, as a mid-tier guy, might even be a lower mid-tier guy just because he doesn't have that incredible experience. But, I mean, hey, K-State fans would love bringing him in. You're going to have a whole bunch of B.J. Finney jerseys in the stands. (laughs) So maybe Clark Hunt, you know, gives a little nudge down there to Andy to try and get something to happen. 
Well, he's a, he was an undrafted free agent coming out, so he's a guy that hasn't really got his big payday yet. And I don't know if he's gonna, you know, I don't think he's gonna get a a, a big one. I, I really don't. I think he's probably a guy that you kind of have to ask yourself: Is this guy making your your center position that much better? Like how how big of an improvement is he gonna make? What's it gonna take to get him? But I, I, I think these are the kind of questions. And if you're looking for a mid-tier guy, I think that's about right where the value is. The truth be told for me, though, I don't think that this is how the Chiefs are going to approach the interior of their offensive line. I don't think it's going to be with a mid-tier guy. I would actually be a little bit surprised if it's a top-tier guy. I think it's going to wind up coming from the draft is my guess because uh, I just don't know how much they're going to spend. But from a value perspective, B.J. Finney might be a guy that they take a look at. The biggest thing that BJ Finney's given you is he's a guy that's going to work in his own scheme. I think you've seen him play in similar systems. He's a guy who wins with his general technique, is a competent athlete. He's a guy that's going to be able to play guard or center. Like He covers a lot of the basics that you need to play the interior offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just the issue becomes he hasn't proven that he can do it at a starting level long term. He has not had to play through. The Chiefs just went with Austin Ryder, who is essentially in the same general position. He played well in spot duty for another team. The Chiefs thought maybe in a bigger role with their scheme, they could get it to work. And there's just a bag of mixed results. The only issue with BJ Finney is you might run into that same issue. But when your contract, especially if you get him on a lower tier or that really low mid tier, there's not a big risk there. And especially the guy like Finney, who's proven to be a valuable backup across three positions, it's worth the risk. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the best free agent fit, Maddie. Where are you thinking here? I think this is a pretty easy one. Joe Thune, he's a guard for the New England Patriots. They should bring him back, but the Patriots in this weird crisis where they don't know what kind of football team they are. And if they want to be a power running football team, like, they kind of point to sometimes Joe Thune's not that he's a good offensive guard. He could play in any scheme, but he's excellent. When you ask him to get out in space, he's a very smart player that played offensive tackle in college, kicked immediately inside the guard for the Patriots and has been nothing but good for them since he entered the NFL. He is athletic. He is more athletic than Andrews Pete. He gets out into space even better. He is perfect in a zone blocking scheme. He's been excellent for them. You ask him to make reach blocks, flip his hips around the defender, get out into space and screen game. Like He would be the guy that fits the zone blocking scheme in free agency. The issue is when you're that specialized, good, and relatively young at the position, you really might get paid. And I think he might teeter on the higher end of free agency for offensive guards, for guys, for teams that don't want Brandon Scherf or to bet on Andrews Pete's health because Joe Thune's been healthy. He's the guy that you're going to look for, for that athletic mobile interior offensive lineman. But man, he would give the Chiefs that top tier, that upper tier guy to play offensive guard for them. Well, he's still 27, so he still kind of, you know, kind of fits that profile of the free agents that Brett Veach has typically gone. But, I mean, he's a guy that's had a lot of success early. I mean, not just, not just you know, the Super Bowls, but I think he's a good football player. And he would fit outstandingly in this in this scheme. And uh, he's coming, the, the things that Maddie's talked about, though, and I'm, I'm kind of just thinking about in general with the offensive line is how do you navigate paying, you know, paying for your interior offensive line? He's a perfect fit, and he would be an exceptional... He would make this group better along the interior. It's just trying to navigate how much to spend, how much to invest. With all the issues that you've got with this football team already, you can't really afford to add an expensive guard like this, even though he is the best fit. 
Here's one thing that we haven't talked about a lot. The Chiefs have a notoriously unhealthy interior offensive line. They don't get full seasons out of guys very often on the interior of their offensive line, whether it be for one reason or another. Joe Thurney, all he does is play football. All he does is show up and be available every single game. He's just always there. He <laughs> He's played four seasons in the league. Three of them he started in a Super Bowl and been a linchpin for an offensive line that kept Tom Brady clean. This is a situation where you can go get a guy that's healthy, smart, fits your scheme, and is young. Do it. Because you've gambled with too many guys here where you've tried to take shots on lower level guys. You've tried to hit at positions where, you know, where you could bargain bin. And then the guys that you did pay or you did invest in just can't stay healthy well enough. And so you're ending up playing guys that are their backups anyway. Go get somebody that's going to play through things. Go get somebody that's going to be available as much as they humanly can and pay that guy because that'll solve a lot of your problems. All right, guys, do we think that the Chiefs sign someone along their interior offensive line? I think they do. I don't know if they make a splash. I would like for them to make a splash, but I think that they've just got to add some kind of talent, whether that might be even bringing back Stefan Wisniewski. It might just be as simple as that, but they do need to add some veteran presence at this position. I I hope it's a big name. I hope they can invest a little bit of money in this position. Yes, I think they signed somebody that starts the offseason process as a projected starter. I think, like Craig said, that could be a Steven Wisniewski. He would probably be a projected starter entering next season, given how the year ended. So it could be relatively low tier. It could be all the way up to Joe Thune. I don't know. I have a hard time reading what the Chiefs are thinking in the terms of importance of the interior offensive line. I don't think it's very high. I don't think the Chiefs are going to think it's super high given what just happened this year. So it might even be a BJ Finney, these lower mid-tier guys, but I do think they signed someone that's going to be a projected starter going into next season. I think if they sign anyone, it's going to be a low valuation. It's going to be a guy like, yeah, like you said, like Steven Wisniewski. I tend to lean that they're going to look at all the options that they have inside in in the building. I think they'll look at the draft and I think they'll try to piece it together that route. And maybe they just think with another year under Austin Ratter's belt, with another year uh, with 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 Martinez Rankin, with with uh, Andrew Wiley, maybe if he's healthy or if he gets back on track, maybe they kick Cameron Irving inside. Maybe they add a draft pick. I think those are the options that you tend to look at. Even though obviously Joe Thune, a guy who has been consistent and who has had a lot of success in his career to this point, would be a great addition, an absolutely great addition. All right, let's talk about the draft because uh, it's draft season, folks. It is full-on draft season. The Combine's in two weeks. The draft guide will be releasing in the near future, uh, or the pre-orders will be releasing in the near future for all that, and let's start talking about these. Let's go with favorite prospect in the class on, in, along the interior of the offensive line, Matty. Earlier this week, Craig told me and Kent to sit this one out and just let us sit back and relax while he oh, ranted, no. so... You guys can do this right now. I'm going to need everybody listening. Close your eyes. Rack your brain. You draft fans just like me. You draft nerds. Think about everything you thought about Garrett Bradbury last year. All the love that was spewed for Garrett Bradbury as an offensive center coming into the NFL. His movement ability. How excellent he is in pass protection. Yada, yada, yada. Picture all that in your mind. 
Now imagine the Garrett Bradbury that can actually play in the NFL because he's not weak. He can anchor and weighs about 20 pounds more. That is Cesar Ruiz center out of Michigan. He is a super athletic guy that still comes in at 6'4", 320 pounds, and he probably could lose a little bit at 320 pounds because he's a pretty big guy that doesn't have the most slim physique for a center. But this is a guy that in Michigan, a relatively old school power run football team until they realize Shea Patterson can't do that. He was asked to pull (laughs) as a center around the corner. They got him on the outside. He wasn't just climbing to the second level between the numbers. They pulled him around the horn. He did it plenty throughout college, and he looked really good doing it. His pulls, whether he's skip pulling, he's opening his hips at the turn and run, he looked fantastic. He could cover incredible ground. He's a strong anchor on the inside. He may not have the most length, but you don't bull rush through him and just beat him. Good technique fantastic balance if you're looking for something to nitpick on him he's too mean he tries to go hit people in pass protection and sometimes leaves his passing lane something you have to fix but this guy can move he can anchor he's got great balance he is everything that everyone thought Garrett Bradbury was going to be just only good at football for the NFL level because he has power in his lower half if you want an offensive center to replace Mitch Morse you go get Cesar Ruiz and ask him to do everything you ask Mitch Morse to do I mean, uh, yeah, uh, the worst part about watching Cesar Ruiz's tape is watching Shea Patterson. Like, everything else is fun. <laughs> everything else is glorious. But, uh, yeah, uh, enough Shea Patterson slander. My guy from Louisiana Lafayette is Robert Hunt. Robert Hunt played tackle for Louisiana Lafayette. He played right tackle. He was supposed to be at the Senior Bowl, but he had surgery just before the bowl game that Louisiana Lafayette played in. If you want to have the most fun watching an offensive lineman, go watch Robert Hunt's tape. He is a bully. He absolutely dominates guys. Within the first probably two minutes of turning on his tape, you get to watch him pancake four guys. And not just like pancake them, like fall over on top of a guy that's trying a specific rush. It's ragdolling a guy to the ground and then jumping on top of him. He's a good mover. He doesn't have particularly great hands, great feet, great explosion, but he moves well for a guy that size and the power that he has in his hands. He just doesn't know how to use them yet. I would draft him. I'd move him to right guard, basically. I'd slot him in there and just say, son, you go out and you dominate the man right in front of you. And then you bring along his mental side of his game. You bring along his hands. You bring along his feet. I think he's got the athletic ability to do everything that Andy Reid could want out of a guy like that. Plus, you get the ability to get a guy that's a bully, that's got that strength, that's got that power in his hands and ability to blow open running lanes and dominate guys in passing. I I would just love to add him maybe, you know, round three if he sticks around. You might have to trade up or take him a little earlier than that. Uh, And he's projected as a guard. Most people have him projected as a guard as it is right now. Uh my guy is Matt Hennessy. I don't. I think we've probably talked about him a little bit already this season, uh, this draft season, because we got to see him at the Senior Bowl. He's a center out of Temple. Uh, he's six four, three hundred pounds, somewhere around there. Um, and I thought he had one of if he, he might have been the most consistent center 
at the Senior Bowl this this uh, this past uh, this past Senior Bowl, and he was a guy that was able to have success against some of the more um, some of the guys that were having a lot of success early along the interior of the defensive line. He was shutting a lot of people down. He's got great hands. I think he's got really good grip strength, but I think he plays with good hand tech consistently. He moves really well for a guy his size. I don't think he's the most. I, I, he anchors fine, but I don't think he's a guy that's always... He's not a power player. Like That's just not his game. But I think if you put him in his own scheme, I think he's going to have a lot of success. He's smart. Um, he, I think he learns as the game goes on. I think you know we saw at the Senior Bowl, I think he was learning these guys, learning the guys he was lining up against as the week was going on. And, um, and I think that really served him well. So I think he's pretty good value on day two, potentially. If you're looking in round three and you're trying to, you're trying to address the center position, I think that's your next, your, your pivot man along the interior of the offensive line, along the offensive line for the next 10 years for Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a guy that could come in and start day one and you might be able to get him in round three. Okay. Let's talk about the best fit in the draft. Cesar Ruiz. Craig. <laughs> Probably. Like, Probably. Let's just be real. Probably. Another guy we saw at the Senior Bowl from Division Three St. John's in Minnesota, Ben Barch. Ben Barch played tackle the entire week at the Senior Bowl. His arms are just kind of right at that threshold, that 33-inch threshold there. He moves so well. We know Andy Reid loves offensive linemen that can move. He moves ridiculously well. He used to run the hurdles in the 4x4 relay in high school. Uh, he was a former tight end that they converted and moved to tackle. So he's just got this natural movement ability. And he looked good. He did not look overmatched at the Senior Bowl for large parts of the week. He got better as the week went along. He didn't look as overmatched as some of the other offensive tackles that we saw lining up. So he was a big name coming out of there. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm taking him and I'm going to move him inside with the idea that he's a guy that you can kick back outside. You can bring him along and maybe move him to tackle in the future there, but you can get something out of him early at guard while you bring him up to the NFL level and teach him the things that you need to teach him. I think he's smart enough to do it. He's going to be a big, big, you know, way up there in the draft sort of guy. I think second round at 63 might even be too late for him based on the buzz that he had coming out of the senior bowl. And that's the thing with Ben Barch is you need a little bit of time. He's not a guy you're getting on this team to start anytime soon. Like he needs at least a year. You have, especially if you're going to kick him inside and teach him another new position, being, you know, the tied in convert, to offensive tackle, limited time at the position already. You're then going to kick him inside again. I even wonder if at the senior bowl, one of the reasons he just played tackle was simply because that's what he did. And he is so late to learning the position. They didn't want to make him do something he was just completely unready for in terms of playing inside. But his athleticism, he gets so deep in his pass sets on the outside as a tackle, so it is different. But he gets so deep so quickly that he's going to be one of your elite testers for an offensive lineman. And once you put him at guard, maybe you have to teach him how to snap. He's probably a little too tall for that. But just anywhere you can put him on the field, he's going to get out there. He's going to get in space. You have yourself another Laurent Duvernay-Tardif kind of player that needs a lot of work but has that top-end athletic profile. The only difference is... He probably comes in a lot better, a lot more ready. He does have some form of technique. He does have a general idea of what he's doing. And his balance, 
somehow he plays with a terrible center of gravity, but he doesn't fall that often doing so. So that's already just shows a good body control to go with that athleticism. He's a guy that wherever he goes, as long as he's not forced to play too early, I do think Ben Barch is going to be a guy in the league and he'd be perfect in the Chiefs system. For that reason, because I do agree, I think he's got a long ways to go and I don't think he's going to play year one. Uh, and if that's the case, I, th- I don't think you can take him before around three. And that's just kind of where it falls in line for me. I think as a developmental offensive lineman, I think he does have a lot of the raw materials that you like. And I think that there are definitely some traits that could make him a very good guard. But if I am going to draft him, I'm looking at day three or or looking at round three at the earliest. I'm just looking at round three at the earliest for him because I just I know that I'm not getting anything out of him his first year. And if you're looking to, to, to make an improvement along the interior offensive line now, I don't think Ben Barch is the solution. However, all the raw materials, what these guys are absolutely saying, all the raw materials are there to develop into a very good guard, a very good guard. All right, let's talk about a day three sleeper. Craig, uh, let's talk about Keith Ishmael. Keith Ishmael, another senior bowl guy. Uh, he flew a little bit under the radar at the senior bowl because, frankly, Nick Harris was so poor. He was the guy that everybody wanted to see coming in. Uh, Hennessy was so good. And Cushenberry looked good as well. So Ishmael kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit at center. But he had a great week. He he got to match up against a lot of these same guys and held his own. He looked good. He's from San Diego State University, 6'3", 300. So he's well built. Looks good. You know, moving, reach blocking, the the one-on-one drills. He shut down, you know, at several guys that were having good days that week or, you know, good weeks that day. And I, I don't know. I really liked what we saw out of Ishmael. I think he's just going to end up falling because the need for center. I don't think that there's going to be that many teams that are going to be drafting these centers, you know, super high. I think he's just going to maybe fall through the cracks a little bit and you can get him a little later. I think he's capable of starting in the NFL and pretty quickly. I don't think there's a a major gap between the likes of Keith Keith Ishmael and a Matt Hennessy or uh, guys like that. I actually think he's kind of up there. Like I, the reason I, I think it'd be tremendous value on day three, frankly. Oh yes. You know, Craig kind of, Craig kind of said it, you know, best is like, he was not on either end of the spectrum at any point in the week. He wasn't the best guy. He wasn't the worst guy, but he was consistent throughout the week. And I thought, and like, I don't think there was a ton of stuff that I was looking at and saying, you know, I mean, he's not a perfect prospect by any means, but there's nothing that like is just completely deficient of his game. He's above average to average, you know, with his hand tech, with his anchor, with his movement skills. Like there's there's just a lot to like about him. He's just a solid player across the board. I think he's tremendous value on day three, and I don't think there's a huge drop-off between some of the guys that we've been talking about. And I think the big thing for Keith Ishmael is... I'm with him. He doesn't have a standout trait other than I think he's got good movement skills for the position. It's just when you don't have a standout trait, it's really hard to get pushed up in the draft, especially a draft like this that does have some good pockets at other positions that people aren't really going to reach for a guy that probably can only play center in the league. I don't think he's long enough and big enough to really play out of guard. He's going to need to be a center, I think. So you're looking, you're already limiting the teams that are going to be interested in him to only teams that want centers. Then you look at just his style of play. 
he's not the biggest, strongest body moving center kind of guy. So you're not going to put him in the Tennessee Titans scheme, for example, and expect (laughs) him to do some of that stuff. So he just has a limited pool of teams that are going to look at him. But what he does the best kind of fits teams like the Chiefs or other teams that run this zone blocking scheme that may ask him to get out in space a little bit more, may ask him to make a few more reach blocks, operate as a help blocker rather than a one-on-one guy. And the one thing that kind of separates him from me rather from your Matt Hennessy's or even Ben Barch in terms of being like the perfect fit, I don't know if he's a top-tier athlete. I think he's a good mover. I think he is capable of getting in space and doing all that stuff. I just don't know if he's going to be elite. And I do think that's what keeps him down from that kind of level of the other guys we're talking about here and puts him in that day three sleeper camp to where a team like the Eagles or the Chiefs could use him very effectively without him ever being a stud. All right, that is going to do it for our interior offensive line review. We will be back later this week with the first episode of the season of the AP Draft Show. We are so excited. We'll talk to you later in the week.